Welcome to the Niched Agency Podcast, where we delve into the journey of owners who have gone from saying yes to everyone in every project to thriving industry leaders and authorities. Here's your host, Ryan McGovern. Hello and welcome. Joining me today is our guest and, of course, Niched Agency owner, Evan Lazarus. Evan, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Ryan. I appreciate it. Anytime. Of course. You came up right away. When I think of the people that we work with and our list of agency owners, you're right at the top of like an exemplary owner, something that people should strive towards. Not trying to kiss your ass. You know how I am. We've known each other for a while now. To our audience, anybody who doesn't know anything about me yet, my name is Ryan. I'm from Michigan. I've been the director of sales and marketing here at SEO Brothers for about a year. I worked for them for about two years, almost two and a half years. Before that, I owned three of my own digital agencies, one of which was a gigantic failure, one of which was kind of successful and one that actually paid the bills. And then I moved into this. So I do have some experience being in your shoes of making ends meet and saying yes to all the projects and being in really poor scenarios. But that's enough about me. The show is all about our guests. Evan, firstly, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your story, and a little bit about Simple Impact? I'd be happy to. It's not a quick story, but I'll try to make it quick. We like long stories here. The gist of it was I spent about 20 years on Wall Street. I was a partner in a hedge fund. What I knew was trading stocks and options. And that is really the world that I lived in for a very, very long time. In the course of my years in that world, my company, my fund had acquired other small digital companies as a means of an investment strategy. And I had the benefit of getting involved with some of these businesses. Most of them were online education companies. And so my purview into digital marketing really came as a result of that. I am not an SEO. I am not a digital advertising specialist. I'm just a business guy. I left Wall Street in basically, I think it was the beginning of 2014 due to family reasons and just mental burnout. Yeah, I can imagine that's a stressful environment. It's not so much the environment. I think that's the reputation that people kind of assume, but it really was a function of the business and my business partnership. As my company grew and as my business grew, the partnership grew, more investors, more money, more voices, more people, more headaches. Mm -hmm. And it got to the point where it just wasn't fun anymore. It wasn't what it was when we started it. And so I just felt like it was time to move on. And I sold my ownership of the company back to my partnership and off I went. And so my background really is pretty widespread. I think what has made me Good at what I do in the digital marketing arena isn't a result of my understanding of the tactics or the things that a lot of the agencies will provide, design, development, SEO, or any of those types of pieces. It's a function of relating to the business owners that we deal with. Regardless of the niche you're in, or even if you're a generalist agency, chances are probably high you're dealing with decision makers, people that are investing money in their business with your agency. And I think that's really my strength is that I've owned companies. I've been partners. I've dealt with the mindset of what a not successful business looks like. 
I've dealt with what a really successful business looks like and kind of everything in between. So I approach it with that I am one of you mentality. So that's really my background. The partnership in that company on Wall Street, how long ago was that? And did you own or start Simple Impact while you were in that business and then transition out? Yes and yes. I was a founder, an owner, a partner, and everything in between. You know, I was the COO in terms of my daily function. So I was very, very involved in the company in just about every aspect. COO is one of those titles where it's like you're doing just about everything. (laughs) Yeah. And so that's kind of where I came from. But Simple Impact was founded when? Simple Impact was founded, that's a good question, probably four or five years ago. So I left Wall Street. I took in my head mentally was going to be a year off. I was in a position fiscally where I could do that. I had the good fortune of not having to go out and necessarily get a job. And the way it all started for me was at my son's little league game. At the time, my son was in, I think, I don't know, third grade. I started chatting with one of the other dads at the ball game one night, and he was a dentist. And we became fast friends. He's like, look, you have a really interesting background. I have a really good dental practice business. We have six locations. So it wasn't just like a one little Main Street dentist with one guy. Yeah. You're like, I can help you grow that. Yeah. You had a real business. And, and I didn't really know anything about dentistry other than being a patient of a dentist. You know, like anything else, it's a business is a business. You go in, I went in, I said I'd help him out. At that time, I was probably getting a little bored with my early retirement. I was maybe <laughs> four or five, six months in and I was getting a little antsy. So I'm like, all right, I'll help this guy out. I'll go in, I'll kind of see what's going on and figure out how we can operationally make his business a little more sound. At that point, it was just about biz dev and like, let me help you. It was really more about operational. He didn't have great infrastructure. He didn't have systems. He didn't have process. There was just a lot lacking. And so I kind of came in to figure out how I can make it better. There was no model for patient acquisition. There was nothing of what you would call sound operations happening. But dentistry can be a very, very lucrative business. And so they were still doing well without having necessarily great infrastructure. But there are a lot of holes in the bucket, so to speak. So I did that for a bunch of months. His business grew pretty well after that. And they wound up selling the practices to a larger dental organization that came in and acquired all of his offices. From there, I guess my phone just rang. It was another dentist who got referred to me, and then another dentist, and then another dentist, and then another dentist. Yeah, I'm sure that first one was like telling his buddies. You know, I got involved with a company that I pulled some strings and I I did some work for them that wound up being really, really good. And I helped them in the world of private equity because I had that financial background. Things just kind of organically just happened. What I tell people is that I never woke up on any day in my life and said, God, my calling is to work with dentists. Digital marketing. Dentists or or digital marketing. And so that's essentially how Simple Impact formed. That's interesting. I never had the, I took pen to paper and here's the business plan and here's what I'm going to do. And it just evolved. It's very unique. Yeah, that's the story. It's a pretty unique story because usually it's like, I went to school, I got a marketing degree. I went to school, I got a web design degree or I got a degree in graphic design. And that's how I decided I don't want to work for somebody else. 
I'm going to launch my own company. I have none of those degrees. But you were just like, I'm just a straight up great businessman. I'm not going to pat myself on the back and say I'm a great businessman. Well, okay. You're quite modest. You have over 50 dentists that trust you with their overall marketing strategy. So I think if I'm going to pat myself on the back and say I'm good at something, it's really two things. One, I think I've done a good job of surrounding myself with people that are smarter than me to fill in the holes that I cannot fill in. And two, I think that I am a very easygoing, relatable person who tries to simplify how to run a successful business. You know, I deal in local, right? So I deal in local. I am not dealing with large corporations. I can affect change because I know that the businesses I'm working with are not super bureaucratic. There's not a lot of red tape to get things done. And so if you establish trust with these business owners and you get them to like you, quote unquote, in a sense that they feel comfortable that they're going to listen to you, then you can really make an impact. You really can. You can affect change. That's my holy grail. That's my secret sauce. So did you have that overarching thought and you're like, I like to simplify things and I like to be impactful? Simple impact, perfect name. That's kind of the genesis of the name. I try to keep things simple and I want to make an impact. That's it. That's all I want to do. If I can do those two things, then I have a home run of a business. Well, it's funny because impact, I've read all sorts of studies about this and like the psychology around the phraseology or the phrases and the terms of the words that you use in sales and impact is way at the top of like people want to hear that. Or when they hear that, they get excited. I don't want somebody to come in and just diddle around and make false promises. I need impactful results. And that's what you do. That's what you do for people. I really love what you've built. I appreciate your modesty, but man, you're doing very, very well. And it makes a lot more sense. I didn't know this before. I'm surprised we haven't had this conversation yet. I didn't know before that you had such a strong business background and you came from Wall Street. I didn't even know that. Going back what now feels like 150 years, I was in New York City. The truth of it is I started in college. I was day trading in my dorm room. Back in the 90s when day trading became kind of a thing and you could make money trading internet stocks and I took my bar mitzvah money, (laughs) I turned it into a substantial amount of money. Oh my gosh. And so while everybody was kind of going to like their English lit class or biology 101, I was kind of skipping school and trying to make money in my dorm room. And so I got the bug for trading really, really, really early and it evolved. It kind of went from there. And when I finally graduated, I kind of knew where I wanted to go. Were you a business major? I was an accounting major for two years and I'm like, wow, this, this really sucks. It was so boring for me. I couldn't even focus. And I switched to journalism. I started writing. But I have more of a creative mindset. You're a strong writer. Yeah. I mean, I have more of that, you know, I prefer to do something creative than sit and do debits and credits all day. You know, unfortunately, accounting degree probably would have gone a lot further for me than the degree I got. But nevertheless. Well, look how it turned out, though. I'm not sitting here stewing in regret of my degree by any Stretch. I kind of do sometimes. This podcast is audio only, but right behind me is a web design degree that just sits there. I haven't used it in years. 
Well, I mean, listen, we can talk about that on a different podcast. I have a very strong feeling about success and what it takes to succeed. And college plays a part in that, but we can dive down that rabbit hole some other time. Maybe another time. Thanks so much for bringing us on that little journey. So you didn't plan on this happening. As you said, you just kind of spoke to that guy at the ball game and you're like, your business isn't doing so hot in these areas. I can help you. Or did he say, can you help me? He said, can you help me? I said, well, I can take a look at what you're doing. So I went and I spent some time in a few of his offices. I said, look, you need to figure out this. We need to figure out that. And there's no advertising strategy and there's no online presence. And you're doing really well, which is great. However, can we quantify how much you're actually missing out on? That was really the approach I took. And so I went out and I hired some vendors to do the SEO and the web design and people from my past that I had done some work with to help me put some software and infrastructure in place as it related to practices, presence online, visibility, patient acquisition, branding, all of that stuff. So that when they went to office number seven, and then when they went to open office number eight, number nine, they had a much more sound model because they now had pieces in place that were not there before. They knew what it cost them to acquire a patient roughly. And they knew what a patient would be worth to them over the course of 36 months. And they knew how long patients were going to last at their practice. So spending money... Forecasting. Yeah, it became much more easier and palatable and understandable. And then ultimately, their valuation on their business became bigger because they had a much more sound infrastructure of a model that the larger corporate entity could essentially now say, okay, we know that we can wash, rinse, and repeat this. One of the things that people don't realize is that when your business, and I use this sometimes in my sales strategy, is that when your business has a sound digital foundation, it's worth more money to a potential buyer. People always look at accounting and say, how much money does the business make? What are the costs? What are this? What are the... And they just look at the EBITDA. Well, that's not always the whole story behind what makes a business successful. Right. Is it pretty common for you to come across, like when you're in these pre-sale conversations, let's say, is it common you come across these people in those situations still in 2023? In my niche in dentistry, yeah. There's still a lot of acquisitions happening in dentistry. There's the concept of the DSO, which is the dental service organization, which is basically like these companies that just roll up lots of dental practices. They're corporate owned. And a lot of doctors look to sell to these corporate entity because they're viable buyers. It doesn't always come up. It just does come up from time to time though. Sure. But sometimes it's just, if you have that goal and you want to build a business that's built to sell, like we could talk all day about built to sell, but if you want to build a business that's ready to be sold, you're absolutely on the money. You need to have those things in place. And that's one thing that you do that not a lot of other people do. I don't think I've ever spoken to another digital agency owner who gets themselves that involved in the day-to-day operations of the business. And by doing that, inserting yourself, or I'm sure they formally welcome you, you're putting yourself so much closer to that person. You're developing a relationship a hell of a lot faster than you would by saying, give me nine grand, I'll build you a website, see you in six months. Something is there. I think that's a little nugget that somebody might be able to take away from this. It's like, get yourself closer to that person however you can. If you find gaps in their business that are completely unrelated to digital marketing, help them out. If you know more about them than they do, help them out. 
I do do that. And I do do it, well, A, because when a doctor calls me or when a dental office or a practice calls me, it's usually because they want more patients. I want more patients. I want more. The term that gets thrown around in dentistry is butts in seats. I want more butts in seats. And that's kind of what everybody wants. But what I tell doctors is going out and trying to acquire more people to come to your dental practice is a fruitless endeavor if the practice has a lot of operational inefficiencies. So if me, the marketer or the agency owner can make your phone ring, but you don't know how to take that phone call and turn it into a scheduled appointment and make sure that that person shows up and make sure that you are diagnosing the patient and presenting treatment, the revenue is made in the business. The marketing company doesn't make the revenue. The marketing company typically creates engagement. The business has to drive the revenue. Yeah, you can lead the horse to water. They have to make a drink. The misconception, it is, I think, a function just because in medicine, they're not taught business, they're just taught medicine, but they become business owners, is that their expectation is that I'm going to bring them patients that are just ready to go and they're going to spend tons of money and life is great. And if the agency doesn't do that, then the agency is not a good agency. Yeah, they failed. Right? They have failed. And a lot of it is just, I have to manage the client's expectations. Here's what I do. Here's what you can expect. Here's how we're going to measure it. And the thing that I do that is, I think, very different than what other marketing agency owners do is my sales process is really a diagnostic on their business. So most times you'll see agency owners, they'll jump into SEM rush or HRFs and they're, we need more of this. Yeah, look at the potential for your keyword volume here. And that is lost on not everybody, but in my field, in the niche that I'm in, that's lost on them. I might as well speak Latin. Because that's the nature of that kind of a conversation. I need to speak to them about their business. And I tell people, like, I'm not really a marketing agency. Although the perception is, what I do is help businesses grow. If you can make 10% more money this year than you did last year, irregardless of what I do, whether it's through SEO or advertising or building you a new website or fixing the way you handle your phones, do you give a shit? And if you do, there's a problem. I will help you grow your business period. But I need to figure out what's going on in your business. I got to diagnose. So I basically spin the conversation to them. And I say, listen, you're a patient in my chair now. I got to diagnose what's going on with you and your business before I can recommend a treatment plan as here's what I'm going to do. You're not just going to get in there and start drilling. Right. Because if you haven't invested in your team, let's say, on how to convert phone calls and how to talk to people, then what do you want me to try to make the phone ring more? You're just throwing money in the toilet. Like, what's the purpose of that? Listen, if you've been doing this long enough, you have a good sales pipeline and you get to a lot of business owners, huge red flag if a business owner says to you, yeah, you're my third agency, you're my fourth agency. And I say it all the time, chances are good. Maybe you've dealt with a bad agency. They clearly exist. There's a lot of bad dentists. There's a lot of bad agencies in every field like that, right? So I'm not going to discount that you didn't work with a crappy vendor, but I have to also be very, very concerned that Either they didn't manage your expectations, you don't know what's going on, Mm -hmm. or there's infrastructure problems with your business. Because if you're not growing and you've been through three vendors, chances are something is not right. I need to figure out what that's going to be, right? Whereas a lot of agency owners will just take any client because they'll just take any client and it's money and it's revenue. I don't want that. There's lots of companies out there, especially in my world, that I call 
big box. They're the Walmart for dental marketing. I don't want to be that. That's not my goal. My goal is not to work with 2,000 dentists. And I say that from a position of when I was on Wall Street and I was doing the financial thing, the part I left the story out was that we grew the company to the point where I left. I think we had close to 600 people. Holy cow. I don't ever want that again. That was a big part of the burnout was like mm-hmm. big company, big problems, lots of people makes it really, really hard. And so where I'm at in my life, financially, professionally, the world that I serve, I want to keep it small. I want to keep it intimate and I want to be able to affect change. So I am as concerned about who I work with as they should be about working with me. And I tell them, I'm very transparent with them. I will tell them I'm not cheap. And I am evaluating you just as much as you're evaluating me because I only work with X amount of people. Yeah. That's a red flag for me too. It's like, if I feel like I'm being interviewed, then it's probably not a good fit. Needs to be equal parts here. I don't mind being interviewed. Like you should be concerned about who you're going to spend money with. What I am concerned with is they're not really interested in what I say. They're just interested in, hey man, can you get me more patience? And if they can't sit down and understand, I have to make them an educated buyer. I say to them, if you don't understand what you're spending money on, then your experience with me is going to be no different than the last three experiences you had, period. We're going to part ways. It's just a question of when. And I said, I'm not going to invest my time and my team's time in that. Yeah. Costs a lot of money to onboard somebody. Some sales gurus might say, yeah, you probably shouldn't say that. But I will tell you that I'm okay with that. Yeah. There's lots of gurus out there that say a lot of things. I play the card of just be straight with people and tell them to be straight with you. And I give them references. I said, call this guy, call that guy, call this person, call that person. But before you were at that point though, when you were breaking in and you didn't say, yeah, you can call these three people. How was your sales strategy back then? That's a good question. Because I came from this situation where my first foray in dentistry happened to be with a company that grew pretty radically and then got sold for a lot of money. You had that in your bag, like right out of the gate. Right out of the gate. I had the swag. I'm like, hey man, I was part of that. I've never had to pay for a client. I've never had to run Google AdWords. I've never had to do any of that. And that's not like a cap in my hat or a feather in my cap. That's just, I think I was at the right place at the right time and did a good enough job. And I have a little bit of luck. Every successful business owner, I don't care if you're in the agency space or you own a hot dog cart, you got to have some luck in what you do is a part of the secret ingredients. Every multimillionaire will tell you that at some point in their journey, it wasn't because they're the smartest guy in the room, the smartest person. It's because there's probably an event that was lucky or right time, right place. And I think that that's a key ingredient. So I was at the right time, at the right place. Yeah, it's worked out very well. When you look at when you are prospecting or when you're doing pre-sale, who are the dentists that you're saying no to? Do you have a hard no for anybody? Yes, 100%. I have a hard no for business owners, so so dentists that have collections or revenue less than a million dollars because they can't afford me and they are the hardest clients to work with because they don't have the time horizons that I need. Right. They don't have six months to sit around. No. If I'm going to spend this, I need to know that in three months, my business is radically different. I'm not a miracle worker here. 
anybody tells you that they can do that, they're just lying. Yeah, it's hard. When you are a startup, somebody that does not well-funded or that you need to make money for yourself, you need to draw an income. And so there's no money to spend on the business. You're just a hamster on a wheel, unfortunately. And that's where a lot of small business owners are. Whatever the business produces outside of their cost of goods, whatever it nets, they take home as a paycheck and they're counting every single dollar and they're not willing to invest in the business because that investment really eats into their pocket. Right. Yeah. That's 8,000, 10,000, whatever it is, right out of their pocket, right off of the family's table. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I qualify some of the people I work with is, are you prepared to invest in your business? Are you prepared to invest in your team? What does that translate to? Like, is it multiple doctors in a practice? Is it multiple location? What are your green flags for sales? Like, who's the ideal? It could really be anybody above a million in collections. That's kind of the dollar amount I use to determine if they have the means. And somebody that is goal-oriented. What is the goal? What do you want to accomplish in this business? And it's not just more patients. I want to grow my practice by 20%. In three years, I want to have three locations. I ask them, what's your goal? You got me on the phone. We're here in our sales call. What's your goal? If they can't answer that question, red flag. See you later. Yeah. Let's not see you later, but what is it you're trying to accomplish? It's funny in different industries and every industry, whether you're power washer or you're a dentist or a plastic surgeon or anything in between, there's Facebook groups that these people kind of dwell in for every profession. And a lot of doctors will call me because they heard about me in some Facebook group or somebody posted something and they just want the secret, right? I got the magic bullet. How do I get your magic bullet? Because that guy got the magic bullet. That's the mentality that they have without really understanding. Like they don't really have any goals. They just want what the other guy has. Yeah. They want butts and seats. So one of the challenges I will always face is that it's a longer sales cycle for me than what it would be for maybe another agency owner that's just out there like pushing SEO or out there pushing, you know, we build websites because I do a lot more consultative. It's a lot more diagnostic. It's a lot more. I got to get their numbers. Like I got to do a lot. It's a full on. So my sales cycle is much longer than what maybe another agency owner would be. You know, the other part of the thing is that I, outside of the marketing components that I provide, I also work in those offices. I have a team of coaches that will work with the doctors on certain areas of the business on clinical aspects. We'll work with the administrative teams. So my business model really has two pillars. The marketing pillar, think about it like we work in the house and then we work on the house. And so, you know, if you think about it from an agency perspective, it makes my retention much, much higher because when you're working with the teams, you're building trust with the teams. They rely on you. There's lots of back and forth. You're a part of their business. And so the reason that I think that the business has gone well is because I have multiple touch points and they're sticky. Whereas you hear a lot of things about just agency owners that are doing websites and SEO, there's just a ton of churn. So I don't have that churn. Let's be honest, there are a dime a dozen as well. And that's why from the very beginning of like my marketing career, it was drilled into me that if you can, at some point, it's super important to break into some kind of niche because there's 10,000 other generalist agencies out there ready to do exactly what you do. But if you're the only one in a thousand mile radius that works with fencing businesses, you're probably going to do pretty well. 
when you're speaking to fencing businesses. Every business has a language. Fencing companies speak in the world of different types of product, vinyl, aluminum, this, that, metal, whatever. I don't know anything about fencing, but dentistry has its own language. And if you've ever been to the dentist, you'll hear them say things while you're in the chair about tooth number this and tooth number that. And there's insurance codes and all this kind of dental speak. I had to learn that. That's a part of my evolution in being in this space. Did that just come over time? Yeah, you just pick it up. There wasn't ever a point where you're like, hey, can you just take a half hour? And There was definitely a part where it was a lot of fake until you make it. I would shake my hand and say, oh, okay, I understand. I would scribble the word down or write down like the... And then I would Google it, right? Because I had no idea what in God's earth they were talking about. There was definitely some of that, but you pick it up over time. It's just like if you don't know anything about SEO. SEO is not the easiest concept to learn. It's really quite hard. It takes time and a lot of reading and a lot of Googling and a lot of to say, okay, well, how does this work? Oh, yeah. I was there. It's very similar. Yeah. A couple of years ago, I didn't know what a canonical tag was and why it was important. In that first sales meeting, when someone was like, hey, I noticed you pointed out I'm missing a ton of canonicals. I'm like, yep, we'll get those sorted out for you. They're like, what does that mean? And I kind of, yeah, fake it till you make it. And then yeah, Google it. 100%. But you learn over time, those things stack on top of each other. Yeah. You know, I do think at this point, I'd say 90% of the people I work with are dentists. I have a handful of other non-dental businesses that I will help out. Most of it at this point is like really good friends and family. Oh, okay. I was going to ask what that 10% is comprised of. No, it's just people that are close to me that need my help. But I will tell you that You can't affect change unless you're just doing SEO and it's just about a domain and links and link building. You can't really impact a business unless you really truly understand how that business works or how it should work. I do believe that if you're going to be in the agency space, it makes a lot more sense to niche down and have a focus than it does to say, well, we'll work with just about any business, restaurant, gym, pest control, whatever it may be. It's impossible to speak that many languages. It's a mistake because you're going to wind up, I think, churning through a lot of clients. Yeah. I mean, story as old as time. I've been there myself where I had like seven clients in completely different industries. And I just couldn't, like you said, I couldn't speak their languages. I didn't know enough about them to provide impactful results and actually be able to say like, you need to do X, Y, Z. I bet you in three months, here's what you're going to see. I just couldn't do that. Well, and any business owner that is really going to spend any amount of money with an agency is probably going to say, do you specialize in my thing? Yeah, exactly. You're not going to go to a ear, nose, and throat doctor if you have a problem. With your knee. Exactly. Same kind of deal. That was wonderful. Uh, Thank you so much for taking the time to do this today. I really appreciate you. Oh, it's my pleasure. Well, thanks again, Evan. That's going to do it for us today. I've been your host, Ryan McGovern. Thank you so much to our guests for being here. Thank you so much for tuning into the Niche Agency Podcast, everyone who did. We upload new episodes every day at 12 Eastern. If you're an agency owner looking to niche down your business, we'd love to speak with you. We'd love to speak to you about a scalable SEO solution, a white label SEO solution. That's what we do here at SEO Brothers. If anything has resonated with you, please reach out. My email is ryan at seobrothers.co. I'd love to talk with you. Even if it's briefly 20 minutes, just get to know each other. Also, if anybody's heard anything that resonated with them 
in regards to Simple Impact and Evan and what I see and what he said. Maybe you're a generalist agency and you've got a couple of dental clients that you're struggling with. He can help. This is the man to talk to. Evan, how can people reach you? Just shoot me an email. It's the easiest way. It's Evan, E-V-A-N, at simpleimpactmedia.com. Awesome. Do that, people. Again, I mean, you can hear it in what he said today. This guy knows what he's talking about. Thank you again, Evan. We'll speak soon. Anytime. Thanks, Rob.